We made this. Hello and welcome to Life's Milestones, the podcast about naming ceremonies and birth, relationships and weddings, and death and funerals, right here on the We Made This Podcast Network. My name's Mark Adams, and I am your host. I am a humanist celebrant. That means I am accredited and trained to write and perform non-religious ceremonies, everything from naming ceremonies to marriages to funerals to anything that marks a milestone in somebody's life. Every fortnight, I interview a different guest with the same questions about their life's milestones. We talk about their childhood, we talk about their marriage, if they've had one, and we look into the future about what they would like for their funeral. And the guest this time is a friend of mine I've known for nearly 10 years, Rob Maltman. I met Rob when we were both wrestling ring announcers and there was never that rivalry between us really. We got on so well that we were the kind of people that were pleased with each other's success rather than jealous and we did get to work together quite a few times as well which was always the best times because Rob is an interesting character with some fascinating stories to tell and I'm so glad I managed to get Rob on board for Life's Milestones because he just doesn't disappoint. Rob currently works Outside of wrestling, he moved on a couple of years ago and he works for Superstar Speakers. So he interviews footballers, boxers and other sports stars that I will be honest, I probably haven't heard of many of them. But he's the kind of guy who meets people's heroes and he has such an interesting job, but he's such an interesting guy himself. So I really hope you enjoy my interview with Rob Boltman. With me at this time is Rob Maltman. Hello, Rob. Hello, Mark. Thank you for welcoming me today. So you are my 14th guest on Life's Milestones. And um, before we get into the heavy stuff and the interesting stuff, I'm going to do the usual little bit of guest profile. So first up, it's quite a personal question, but, you know, this is a personal podcast. How old are you? I am 40 years old. 40 years old. Did you have a lockdown birthday? Yeah, 40. Yeah, I did. It was June the 30th this year. Um, I just came to work with a balloon and had a caterpillar cake because I'm obviously 40. <laughs> At least you had a caterpillar cake, though. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I get to a point, Mark, that like I'm halfway through now. Like, And birthdays don't mean as much to me as they did before. Like 40 was a nice special one, but, you know, so be it. Yeah, yeah. So where are you from and what's your background? I am from a town called Kettering in Northamptonshire, which is probably most famous for these days of being the um, the home of comedian James Acaster. Kettering Town FC are the football club that scored the most goals in the FA Cup and the first football club to have a sponsorship on the front of their shirts. So up the poppies. Huh. Um, I know, right? It's cool. <laughs> it's a cool little stat. It's, it's a very much middle of the country town. The predominant business there is warehousing because you're right in the middle of the A14. So you're three hours from pretty much anywhere in the country. Right. It's your average little town, little market town in the middle of the country in a nice little Northamptonshire is a lovely county. And 
that's that's where I'm from. That's my background. My background personally, I'm from traditional little family, mother, father, brother, sister. I've got a brother from my dad's first marriage. Traditional little 2.4 kids. Dad was a baker. Mother was in childcare in a nondescript town. It's that proper cliche classic thing. And I've developed from that to going to university, to study in media, to working as a radio presenter who then graduated into professional wrestling, which is where we met as an MC. That's right. Uh, then I graduated from that into the after dinner speaking circuit and doing theatre shows and hotel shows and events with retired sportsmen, predominantly footballers, but boxers, cricketers. And I still do a little bit of announcing. I do boxing, kickboxing and MMA announcing now as well. So that's who I am with a little splashing of digital marketing and web <laughs> development just to kind of like make the most of what I can do. Yeah, and I think I was trying to avoid my wrestling contacts to have <laughs> to just to have too many of them on the show. I mean, because I don't want to say and I've got another ring announcer coming on next week. But you've progressed and done something really, really interesting. And, you know, I'm not a football fan. I'm not a memorabilia fan. But no. the way you are passionate about what you do is very similar to how I feel about my celebrant work, which is why yeah. I thought that you would be the perfect guest to have on about this. You will actually find a very significant part of my life ties in with my career that we'll talk about on this podcast and I've told a few people about this story, but I've never really said it on a podcast. But as with everything, important parts of my life have dictated my path through life. So mm. that's something we'll definitely talk about on this podcast. It's, it's a nice little story. I don't know how much of it is um, I've embellished and made nicer over the years. But, you know, that's the wrestling <laughs> background again, I guess. Uh, I've been six foot one, even though I'm actually six foot my entire life. Yeah, I think I only weigh 13 stone in wrestling world as well. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to the section about birth. So we know you were yes. born in Kettering and yeah. tell me the story of your birth. Do you know what, right? This is quite hard for me because there was nothing really spectacular about it. Like my dad was in his 30s my mum was 20 when I was born it was my dad's second marriage he had a second roll of the dice in life and he set up another little family and I was the third member of that little family I guess he always wanted to get it right as it were and here I am like I was a, I'm a very very lucky man I had a wonderful father a lovely mother and I was the first baby of three with them two and it's no more or no less than that, you know? Yeah, and so you were the first in line. So you were the uh, the golden child, like me. I'm not sure um, my mother would agree that I'm the golden child. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I think you know what it's like. Like I said, I'm, I don't want to ever take away from the fact my father was married beforehand. I've got a brother mm. who I love dearly from that marriage. And him and his wife and his three kids are very mm. much a big... But I was that my dad started again almost and it was I was that one there yeah I suppose it is very very different for me being the oldest I saw how my parents tried to make everything incredibly like meticulously fair and everything yeah. I had 
my brother had it exactly the same age as I had it and stuff like that. Whereas I guess it's a little bit more complicated in a family like yours. Well, my older brother, I mean, we're from Kettering. My older brother is in Newcastle because my dad came down from Newcastle to start this second life here. So I didn't really have that. For all intents and purposes, I was the oldest child in this thing. But yeah, like my parents were treated us individually. My parents were like, well, that's Robert. He does that. That's David. That's what he does. That's Kerry. She's the girl. She does this. And we just were treated as our individual people. It was never mm. what they wanted us to be, per se. It was just, well, that's who he is. That's what he does. I think they'd have liked it if we'd have followed a similar path to them, because that's what they understood. But actually, it was very understanding to the point of let us follow our own path. So I went to university. I didn't get out of education until I was 23. My brother left school at 16, got a job, and it was never victimized on either side it was never well you're doing the right thing you're doing the wrong thing that's you know it was never like mm. that it was just well that's what david's doing that's what robert's doing and so be it so can you actually bake yeah i'm amazing at it brilliant I swear to god right my dad loved baking his job was before he came he'd make wedding cakes he would make wedding cakes by hand these real fantastic beautiful ornate like handcrafted flowers out of ice and he would spend hours studying plants and like making it was proper old school textbook artist like amazing and he always said to me i'm going to teach you how to bake because you'll always have a skill in life people will always want bread people will always want cake and if you can do that you've always got something good grief i make fantastic and my speciality is millionaire's brownie so it's like a brownie base with triple chocolate with caramel on and then a chocolate top as well and my dad always used to say to me as well when I was a bit older, you can bake cakes, you'll always get girls. <laughs> You've always got something. Because women love cake. If you can knock out a handcrafted cake, you'll always get a girl. If no one takes anything else out of this podcast, that is true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> love the cake. I have known you all this time, and I didn't know that you made a mean cake. You know, I'm not blowing me on trumpet. I am amazing at it. When I was working in the office in a previous job before I took the leap to do this, I was used to, I worked in a tile place and it was very much like marketing and home decor and that home living mentality. And I used to go to all the shows, like the Good Home Show. And I went with our interior designer and we were looking at all the cakes. So I can do that. She goes, no, you can't. So I can, I can do that. So I knocked up a batch of brownies for the girls in the office. Mm. And they were literally like, you need to get on Bake Off. Like, these are amazing. One girl actually said it was the nicest thing she's ever had in her mouth, which well, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to take that, but... It was, um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good at what I can do. I'm, I can bake. Well, I've learned something new about you today, Rob. There you go, right? There you go. Master baker. Well, I've been distracted by cake. Um, tell me your favourite story <laughs> about your childhood. Do you know what, right? I've, <laughs> you sent me the notes through to this, and I don't remember any of it. <laughs> I was just looking at this, and like, my childhood was, it was a good childhood. My parents loved me dad's son like very close to my dad but it was nondescript it was a little mini town 2.4 kids it was we had holidays we i got on my brother is my best friend i adore my sister to bits but there's no real like definitive story of it it was just a happy childhood do you know so, what i mean there's no, yeah. there's no tragedy that's formed who i am there's no like real light bulb moment that's made me who i am it was just a consistently happy childhood that's sickeningly lovely but if you've not got yeah. if you've not got a funny story something you did that was really dumb 
Like, I, I fell down a hole. I did all my dumb stuff in my adult life. Oh, well, yeah. I, I fell down I a hole, right? And um, it was a manhole. And I was stuck there for three hours and I cried. Have you not got, Amazing. like, even the dumbest story that you can share? No, I haven't got a bit of it. Honestly, I don't remember a single bit of my childhood. Good I grief. don't remember any of it. <laughs> I was I was always a good boy. I was always a good boy at school. I always worked hard, studied hard, did my best. I was boring, man. I never really like. <laughs> you so, hit me like a sh- like a sledgehammer to the face. I'm telling you now. Like I was just a dull little kid. I was shy. I was reserved. I was withdrawn. I wouldn't talk to people. I was nervous. I was diagnosed with ADHD as a child as well because right. I was just. I was not who I am today. My life transformed when I got into radio because I could show my personality in the safety of a studio behind a microphone. That really was a transforming point for me. But you're talking like that was college then. I was 17, 18. Right. So do you have children yourself? I have one child. I have a 12 year old daughter. Okay. And when she was born, did you have a naming ceremony, a christening or any other ceremony to welcome her into the world? We had a christening, as it happens. Now, this is a weird thing because her mother was raised Catholic, even though she's not really a practicing Catholic or, um, if anything, she's a lapsed Catholic. Right. Very serious to the point she wanted our daughter raised into the church and accepted into that family. And we went to a little village church where Amelia, my daughter, eventually went to school. And we had a little ceremony. We had a christening ceremony there. Right. And so how did it go? Was there any funny stories that you can tell us? Do you know what it was, right? I'm not really a religious man. I very much thought to the point of christening to being welcomed into the church. It's almost hypocritical because I'm not a practicing Christian. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to welcome into the church. I'm not going to go to the church every Sunday. I'm not going to be a part of that community. And I felt it was kind of hypocritical to welcome myself into this church where I knew I wasn't going to be part of the community. Like the right. Sikhs have a naming ceremony, which is called Nam Quran. It would be akin to me having one of those right. or be akin to me having a bar mitzvah as a man, even though I'm not a Jewish man, but it's that it's a religious ceremony that I felt like I was a fraud doing it. Right. But when I got in the church and we did this ceremony and I've met the community, I was touched it was a wonderful thing because you're meeting all these people who all know each other who all grew up with each other and the sense of warmth and charity and community and love that i felt when i walked into there and it was full of people and the kids were singing and they were really proud of themselves for singing and the parents and the grandparents were watching i thought these parents were singing this 30 years back and the grandparents were the parents then and and you could just see generations of families and I felt something when I was in there. Now, I'm not going to say we're talking like the Blues Brothers. I've seen the light. It wasn't like a religious experience. Mm. I felt the warmth and I I understood for that moment in time why people would do this and be part of their community and the positives that can come of it. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that ceremony and social aspects of the church are some of the most positive things you can really experience and i love that you said that because you you went in cynical and yeah. you came out feeling like even though it wasn't for you you'd seen something very positive i get that all the time on the flip side 
So religious folk come into my ceremonies going, I don't think this is going to be any good. And they come out and they're like, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been called a number of things. That was lovely minister. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and someone else, what do I call you? Celebrant. Can I call you vicar? No. no. And, um, but you can call me anything as long as it's polite, I suppose. But I don't see what the problem is with celebrant, you know. But I love how you kind of experienced the opposite side. Did you talk to the priest? Did you thank him? It was a her. It was a her. OK. Um, but yeah, I did. I um, went and said thank you very much because I'm going to put on here now that we were talking about beforehand. I... I'm not a religious man, but I'm fascinated with religion. And like I told you, I studied religion as my minor subject at university. And I've studied all different religions and lots of and it, it fascinates me as a subject because it's a, it's a subject that. I haven't had the gift of religion unlocked inside me, if you want to put it that way. And people say it's a it's a faith. It's something I haven't been gifted with yet, if at all. But it fascinates me. It's a world that I am not a part of. But I could understand it from that point of view. But it hasn't changed the fact that I'm still not a regular churchgoer. I'm still not an active Christian or mm. whatever. But it was it was a wonderful thing. And the ceremony was it was beautiful. And I spoke to the vicar and she was lovely. And I even went back a couple of Christmases and saw like because my daughter was in the choir because of the school. So I went back and did the Christmas thing as well. And that was that was gorgeous. man. that was mm. that was a beautiful. I mean, I'm. I'm jaded as anything. I'm 40 year old. Like I've worked in retail at Christmas. Like I'm not the biggest. I'm not a lover of it. But it was just, it was gorgeous, man. It was beautiful. And so, if you were to have another child, do you think you would do the same, or would you look at a naming ceremony, or would you not do it this time? Personally, I probably wouldn't do it for the reasons that I said before. Mm. I'd feel like a bit of a fraud. I mean, what's the difference having a christening and having a Nam Quran, like I said, or the Buddhist naming ceremony or anything like that? What's the to me, there's no difference between choosing a religious path it just happens to be Christianity, which is a bit more common mm. here in the UK. A naming ceremony, I will put in the same bracket as those. If you want to have a naming ceremony, go ahead, have one, enjoy it, get your friends, your family together and celebrate a new birth and a new life and a new member of the family and a new generation of a family. But for me, it would depend on what the mother wanted as well. Right. I've, I'm not fussed. Does that make sense? Like, I don't believe it's going to affect my child or future child or this imaginary hypothetical child that's coming along. I don't think it's going to make a difference to their life in any way, shape or form. No, perhaps not. I guess at that point in time, it is for the family. It's time yes. for celebration. Yes, yeah, and that, that I get. I I really enjoy the the community spirit of it and the gathering and the celebration. Like the to have the next generation of your family come through is that's a, that's a lovely thing. That is a lovely, lovely thing. Mm. We've not been able to do naming ceremonies really, They're because they are restricted to six rather than fifteen or thirty like weddings. So it was basically no naming ceremonies. So. It's going to be very strange. It's going to be a baby boom. Because these there's couples getting locked down with nothing else to do. Not just that, though. We're going to have a generation of naming ceremonies for these toddlers that might yeah. remember their naming ceremonies. If they yeah, if, the, if the families decide to have them after lockdown, 
the kids are going to yeah. be one, two, three. And whilst we do have those kind of ceremonies, and a lot of the time adoption ceremonies are incredibly powerful, but we're going to have these ceremonies for kids that might have some kind of memory of them. And that will be a weird lockdown thing. It's not a bad thing, though. No, no, not at all. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Can't wait to do naming ceremonies again. Toddlers are an absolute joy. Toddlers and kids are an absolute joy. They're just just little people with no social graces whatsoever. They're an absolute (laughs) hilarious joy. (laughs) Like, you'll be, well, I say pulling your hair out, but like, it's going to be. Thanks for that, Rob. Anytime, mate. Anytime. It's going to be it's going to be chaotic. And what a celebration that would be. What happy memories the family will have of like, do you remember when he got his bum out at the naming ceremony or like kicking his nose? You know, the stupid things like that that are going to happen. Absolutely right. <laughs> OK, so we're going to move on to talk about weddings. First question is, are you married? I am not. Okay, so do you potentially want to get married or believe in marriage? Um, You've caught me at a very interesting like crossroads in life, actually, because I've always been a believer in you can have anything you want in life, but you can't have everything. And even as a kid, I remember saying to my mother as a kid, I'm never going to get married. I don't want to get married. I'm not interested in being married. And I've spent my adult life focused on finding myself and working out who I am as a person and what I want to be. And I've had this lofty goal of working in this wonderful business that I'm in that really the life I lead when you're at theatres at weekends and traveling UK and Ireland at weekends, you can't really have a wife because they're not going to enjoy that. Can we go away this weekend? No, we can't. I'm in Ireland with Ryan Giggs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's never really been something that I've wanted to have in my life. I mean, in all the what? 10 years say that you've known me have you ever known me to be dating you ever known me to bring a partner have you ever known any part of that side of me at all no actually i wouldn't have it wouldn't have been something that i'd have said you know rob's the guy that's never got a girlfriend lol but absolutely but now you've said it i have been a very driven single man focused on my career and getting where i am today and this year rolled the dice i've took the risk i'm t- doing the job covid's come along and said not this time sunshine it ain't happening but <laughs> <laughs> i'm now at a point where i'm kind of comfortable in my life and it's like maybe do i think do i want to do that mm. but then i'm 40 meet a girl date her a year 18 months then look at getting married 45 50 to get married is there any point oh i don't know some of the loveliest weddings i've done have been for older folk yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's one of them things, Mark, that if I got to my deathbed, having never been married, never been engaged, I'd be all right with it. Right. I'm very used to being my own man, very used to being single, being on my own, enjoying my own company. I'm a bit of a workaholic. I have in the real world, in the normal world, an obscure job that, as I said, takes me all over the country, potentially mm. all over the world if things go well. And I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to say, right, we're going Norway, doing the Manchester United Legends Tour in Norway. We're going Amsterdam, doing the Dutch Football Legends Tour in Amsterdam. We need you to go away for a week. I want to be able to say yes. I don't want to be able to say, oh, it's the wife's birthday or it's it's our anniversary or I've got to do this or blah, blah, blah. I mean, the flip side of that is you might find a wife who um, 
fully gets it and fully accepts it and knows that's the life that he lives and might even want to come along. I think you're looking at it very kind of practically and matter of factly that if you meet the kind of yeah. person that will marry you knowing that you ain't going to change, then yeah. you'll marry her, I suppose. I think so. I mean, I spoke to my mum about this a few years back now. I said, do you think I'll ever get married, mum? And she went, you need to find someone who's going to love you more than you love yourself. And mm. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> That's, um, you know, the honesty of a mother, I guess. It's good advice, but it's pretty yeah. sassy. Uh, well, welcome to the world of Mrs. Maltman. Um, and that was it. And it's like, like I said, you can have anything you want in this life. You can't have everything. And I've, I did used to have in my 20s, possibly my 30s, a very negative look at marriage and a very negative attitude towards marriage. You only ever heard people moan about being married. And I never heard anyone say they enjoyed being married. Just, oh, I'm so really glad I got married. <laughs> like, right. I always have people, more people come to me and say, God, I wish I'd do what you did than the other way around. So like... But then the grass is always greener, I guess. To be fair, you did socialise with a lot of wrestlers. Yeah, right. There is that. There is that. And marriage, <laughs> marriage wasn't really a hot topic in the wrestling locker room. To no. be fair. So you, you're now a mellowed Maltman. A mellow Maltman. I am Maltman. a forty man. Like, right. I'm that tragic old man, you know. So in the in the kind of idea that you might potentially get married in future if you meet the right woman, what would yeah, be involved yeah. in your perfect wedding? Um, I don't know. I would want it to be unique. Like part of me really gets my heckles up when I see a couple who spend 20, 30 grand on a wedding day when I know they're struggling to pay their bills at home. Mm. And like I've been to some beautiful weddings and I've seen love in its purest form and some beautiful brides and some handsome grooms. And I've seen happy families and that big celebration we were talking about before. But for me, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. And there's a weird thing as well. Like when my sister got married, my dad made the wedding cake for her. Now, my Brilliant. Right. Now, there's four of us, three boys. The youngest one is my sister. And my dad had um, throat cancer in 2002, I'm going to say. Good grief. And he always said, the reason I'm going to pull through this is I'm walking your sister down the aisle. Right. And he did. And he walked her down the aisle. He made the wedding cake. He'd made my both brothers wedding cakes. And he made my sister's one. And he went, that's the last wedding cake I make. That's me done. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Where does that leave me? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like it's a per, it's a very perfect. That's a lovely thing. Right. And mm. where does that leave me? <laughs> like, um, he's, he's not going to make me a wedding cake now because he passed away five years back. Uh. But. You know, when you're just like, it's such a wonderful thing. I think potentially his legacy could make your wedding cake. You could make your own wedding cake. He's given you those skills. And yeah. his, his wedding cake could live on through you. Because you might, but wouldn't even hold a candle to his work. <laughs> wouldn't hold a candle to it. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, it's not on the, the big list of priorities. I've got a list. I've set myself a few challenges for the new year. I really want to get one of my interviews on Sky Sports, for example. I really want to do an edit for mm. Soccer AM. Uh, and bear in mind, these, these aren't unrealistic goals, by the way. It's part of what I do for a living. They're not yeah. unrealistic. And I want to do some graphic work or some work for a celebrity. Like we do, the company I work for now, we're the exclusive signing agent for Brian Robson, the former Manchester United captain. 
right? He won't sign for anyone else other than the company we work for. So right. I'm like, I want, to do, I want to do something with that for Robson. I want to maybe do like a, a picture of him or a montage picture of him to say, I did that. I made that. Yeah. So like they're my goals for the new year. Whereas meeting a woman and getting married and having a perfect wedding, it's not really, I'm still a little bit focused on myself as opposed to maybe I've gone too far. Mark. Maybe I've focused on myself too much. Like I can't pull back and slow down and get married. <laughs> maybe it's covid madness maybe i've, I've lost it so like, hey, i'll get married i'll check on rob he's ill you don't know what the future holds mate i don't i don't and that that is that is a wonderful wonderful thing i might just walk out the office today meet a girl and she might ruin all of those plans <laughs> you might want to put it a bit more subtly when you kind of talk to her about that particular issue yeah uh, did you do any podcasts recently rob nah none not one <laughs> nothing <laughs> Right, I'm going to get something out of you. I want you to pick what song you would like for your first dance. First song dance. I think it would be an Elvis Presley song. Probably go the cliche of Can't Help Falling In Love With You. Elvis is a big, big deal in my family. My dad's a big Elvis fan. When he left his um, first wife, he left my brother, his Elvis collection. And it's become this anchoring point of what my dad means to, I've got a little Elvis Presley tattoo on my shoulder, which just reminds me of my dad and my brothers and that relationship we all have around Elvis. And I think that would be a nice tribute to the man. And you can't go wrong with Elvis. Like he's the original and best, isn't he? So let's say Elvis Presley, I can't help falling in love. Well, that's bloody lovely. See, you can do the romantical stuff, Rob. I can, I can do it. <laughs> I can have anything. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> I like things to have meaning. I like everything in my life to have a meaning or a story or something about it rather than just ownership of a thing. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to now move on to talk <laughs> about death. Yes. This is obviously quite a serious part of the podcast, but it doesn't yeah. have to be. I firmly believe that as I've done this podcast, that I'm working towards knocking down the walls of the taboo that is talking about death. So okay. all these questions are straight in your face. The first one is, are you scared of death? No, I'm not. And I, I think this is where I'm going to come into my own, actually. I'm not scared of death. I'm scared of dying without completing what I want to do. Right. I'm scared of dying unfinished. Scared's the wrong word because I'm going to die one day. Like we all are. It's going to happen. Hmm. It's a natural part of life. So like, I'm not scared. I just don't really want to do it yet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and um, I mean, you've actually touched on this before. The next question yeah. is, have you experienced the death of a loved one? I have. Uh, losing my father in 2015 was the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life that is a point zero in my life that turned things around for me it was it was mm. yeah it's defined who i am it's defined who i am that is a real changing point i mean at 35 it's super young to have lost your dad it was horrible mark honest to god the only thing that's got me through it is i, I was super close to my dad. i'm closer to my dad than i ever have been to my mum like me and my dad were best pals i remember i said this at his funeral actually. i did the speech at his funeral and i remember when um, I was 14 years old 
and I came home drunk for the first time ever. I think the police brought me home drunk. <laughs> and I was like, my dad, yeah, I know. My dad was there, he spoke to me. I got up the next morning, I was hungover. He came and spoke to me. He's like, you've been drinking, Rob? And I was like, yeah, I have. You know I have, dad. He goes, right, I heard you talking to your mates. I heard you saying how much you drank. He goes, don't lie about things like that. It's not cool. And they know. All right. He goes, right, you're coming for a drink with me. And I'm like, okay. Bear in mind, my dad is a Geordie, old school Geordie. And he took me to the pub at 14 year olds. And I was like, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for the roasting. I'm ready for the telling off. So we had a drink. And he's want another one. I'm like, yeah, sure. Bear in mind at this age, like that one pint was probably enough. <laughs> it's enough for me at the moment. To yeah, you know what I mean? And I'm like, <laughs> and I said, like, what's this? What's, come on, dad, get it over with. He's like, look, honestly, my dad lost his father. I think he would have been 42. My dad would have been like 17, 18. Good grief. Yeah, killed in a road accident. It's an awful story. And my dad never got to have a drink with his dad. And he just said he'd been waiting to have a drink with me. So he took me out and had a drink with me. That's really <laughs> that was nice. it. He'd been waiting all these years for me to um, start drinking. And then he just took me out and had a drink with me in the pub. And that was it. And that that's something that carried on right up until he passed away. We used to go for a drink with my dad all the time. Just take him down the pub, me and my brother, brother-in-law, and just have a pint with him and just talk. Do you feel like, because he didn't come down on you like a ton of bricks for that, that it perhaps helped you understand boozing more than a bollocking ever ever would have done. Yeah. He told me, because I've done everything you're going to do, don't bring it home, because I've raised you to be sensible. I've raised you to know what's right and wrong, what you should and shouldn't do. You go out there and do it. Mm. And that was it. There was no, like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. It was like, look, I've raised you for this amount of time. You're not stupid. You know what you should do. You know what you shouldn't do. Mm. and that mm. was it that was the trust he put in me what a lovely story that is mate on, my honest god there's one thing i wanted to talk about because when my dad died like the whole family gathered round and um we were all together and i found it really hard because everybody was talking about what it meant to themselves and how they were going to cope and it was very insular where i was like my dad had always told me when he dies he doesn't want people to be sad because he's had a really good life. He goes, I've, I made it. I did it. I achieved it. I'm paraphrasing, but he wanted his legacy to be that he's raised good people. Mm. He left a positive mark on life and it would be an insult to him. Again, I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't the exact words. It'd be an insult to him to retreat into yourself and grieve and let it ruin your life. He wanted us to go out and flourish and that's John Maltman's son. That's jo- like, that's mm. that's what he's doing. Keep the name going. And there's a th- Paul Heyman actually said this in an interview, weirdly. Like, your family has to progress. If you're not better than the last generation, then your whole family's not progressing. Right. And that's something that I try and live my life to the best I can do it in honour of how my father raised me. That's what I want to do with my life that I hope will, when it's my time, my daughter does the same thing. Mm, that's mm. that's my attitude towards it and it's this is the story oh god if i cry right i apologize in advance <laughs> but sorry. he passed away in 2005 my dad's a geordie newcastle united fan i'm a newcastle fan i love my football and well, i was working in wrestling doing the announcing and i was started to flirt in and out of this um football announcing gig and i did a few little gigs here and there but i did the wrestling ones. sorry i did like rick flair and Bret hart and it was very much where i was 
and the guy who's now my boss phoned me up and he said, like, Rob, Newcastle fan, I've got an opportunity for you. Do you want to interview Alan Shearer at an event? And I'm assuming you know who Alan Shearer is, Mark. Right? Even I know who Alan Shearer is, mate. Yeah, well, Newcastle United legend. He's the record goal scorer in the Premier League, the record goal scorer in Newcastle United. He's an absolute legend. And I was given this opportunity to interview Shearer. And my, heart, my heart's beating now, man. And it was um, Mansfield Town Football Club. There's at least a thousand people in the stands. We were outside and there's me sitting next to a Newcastle legend. And I was so nervous. I was shaking. And I legitimately just thought back to myself and say, I kind of felt my dad's presence with me. And it was just that moment of like, I'm living my life to the best and I'm making him proud. And that's John Maltman's son up there with a bloody Newcastle United legend. Mm. and I just went out there and even to the point we were talking about it in the office and my boss was like you did a great job then Rob you really like because I was like I could have done better and he's like Rob you were amazing Mm. and that to me is the legacy that I want to achieve that's how I look at death of someone continue the legacy that's so good to hear and um, my outlook on life is very similar to that I came to that conclusion by researching my own humanism, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas you've come to that from a life-changing event, and that's yeah. that's incredibly powerful. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. I want to make sure that every life that I touch, every person I meet along the way, when it does come down to it, like, do you know what? He did all right, and this is how I'm gonna, this is how I'm going to remember him, or this is the lesson that he taught me. Hmm. my daughter for sure but maybe not yourself i don't think i've taught you anything but like i'd like to just be like i think you just did in a lot of ways ah well do you know what i mean like Hmm. do you know i just want to leave i want people's lives to be better and if i'm not about to see it that's fine yeah i just like to think i've had a positive effect that's gonna make i'd be arrogant to say change people's lives for the better Okay. okay so yes after that brilliant story we are going to talk about your own funeral now, Rob. Um, do you want to be buried or cremated? I'd never thought of this till you sent me through the um, the questions here. And I think I'd be cremated. I think that the idea of my body just taking up space in a graveyard somewhere, it, it's, it seems pointless to me. <laughs> like mm. it's, I'm done with the body. I'm done with it. Like, let's just cremate me i'll be in an urn i'll be in a box and whatever the family need to do whether they want to bury that box and have a gravestone or whether they want an urn whatever they want to do with it whatever makes them better whatever helps them fine i'm very much of the opinion you don't need to go and see a stone to remember me yeah, fair enough do you know what i mean i, I see people have got plaques and bear in mind, we've got a bench for my dad at Wicksteed Park in Kettering that we go to every year on his birthday. And we do all these cool things. But I don't need a plaque, a stone, a bench to remember my dad. I remember him every single day of my life. Yeah. So cremate me, put me in a box, throw me in the water. I'm not bothered about that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I'm done with the body. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> so what reading would you like to be read at your funeral? Have you thought about that? I quite like this is a story. I told you the story uh, I did my dad's speech. My dad told me this when I worked with him when I was um, learning to bake in the bakery, as it happens. And he told me this story that I read at his funeral, and I think it, it fits quite nicely. Um, it's about a king who had a long, lengthy reign, 
over his people and he was loved by the people and the society underneath him was prosperous and businesses were booming and happiness was there and everything worked. He was a great beloved king who lived and died on the throne. And then his son became king afterwards and the community underneath failed and they struggled and no one liked him and he raised taxes. It was a horrible thing. Chalk and cheese between the two kings. And one day an old woman who'd lived under both reigns went up to the new king and said, you know what? You're nothing like your father. And he went, I am. He did it his way and I'm doing it my way. I, I like that. Huh. Because as much as every boy doesn't want to become their father, I have. <laughs> like, I am him. I am the second coming of John Maltman. It's unreal. Um, <laughs> but I've done it my own way. I've become myself and I've come kind of full circle. So that I don't want... I don't need a religious text. I don't need a poem. I just want, if I could find the perfect positive thing to sort of, to get that across, so go and live your lives and just remember him when you can. That's kind of what I want. I once went to a funeral when I worked in the radio business. I knew a guy that passed away, one of the radio presenters. And a DJ's funeral is one of the greatest things because it's all music. They pick all the songs that have meant something to them throughout their lives. There's minimal mm. reason. It's kind of like a um, a musical almost, where it's like, right, yeah. and this is that point when he first met his wife, and this is what he was going through here. And it was like all these wonderful songs from his whole life played at this funeral. And it was like the songs took on a new meaning because I knew what they meant to the fellow who had passed away. Right. And I always like that as well, because music is it's the, it's the great language and the great communicator amongst us all. Like no matter who you are in this world, wherever you identify as, music it's a universal thing so i quite like that idea well you have preempted the next question which is yeah. what music tracks would you select for the entrance reflection and exit parts of your funeral the only song i'm 100 percent certain that i want is elvis presley how great thou art okay. because that's what my dad had at his and i think i would quite like to keep that tradition going along bear in mind i'm named after my father like his middle name was Robert. Like I've oh. got that is a Maltman family name, and I've got it. And I like I like tradition. I like things keeping memories alive and keeping traditions alive. And I think how great thou art would be a nice touch because it's got that story and it's got that connection with the history of the family and potentially a connection with the future of the family for all I know. Um, entrance hmm. and exit, I don't know. It'd be quite nice to have my old wrestling theme tune as an entrance, wouldn't it? It'd be quite nice just a little flashback to that. Like, what was your wrestling entrance theme? Pool and Bobby's, I think. So. Oh, good grief. <laughs> um, no, I don't know, man. Uh, I've never really thought about it. I think that would be funny, but that is the wrong song. <laughs> Drowning Pool by Bodies. I mean, you can literally have whatever you want. I've had everything from the theme tune from Friends to Another One Bites the Dust, mate. You can have what you want. <laughs> if you want bodies by Drowning Pool, you can have it. It'd be nice It'd be nice to think like the wrestling community would remember me then and be there in person to hear it and get the joke. If not, it's a really awkward moment. It's like, I mean... <laughs> no one from the wrestling community turns up and I've completely forgotten out of that world and I'm playing that and everyone's like, what the hell is this? I mean... As lyrics go for a funeral, that's right up there with... Um, it's not very tasteful, is it? No, with burn, 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 the ring of fire. <laughs> well, yeah, that one's also... I've also had that one. 
as well. As well. There's, a, there's a certain amount of comedy to that and kitsch to that, isn't there? Like the um, the countdown theme tune. I quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are the worst. The countdown <laughs> theme tune. I'm surprised you've not had that one yet. If you could time the countdown theme to go with the curtains perfectly, that would be a massive win, wouldn't it? I think so, yeah. I, I like the idea of that awkward joke. Oh, <laughs> that awkward moment where everyone's like, should I laugh at this? Because I really shouldn't. You know, like a funeral is traditionally somber. Everyone's black and it's a remembrance thing. I quite like the idea of that awkward joke that pricks that, um, takes it all away and makes people giggle. And it's like, that's what, that's who that man was. He wasn't this miserable person who played all this sad music. Yeah. He was that idiot that made a stupid joke when it wasn't meant to be and have a giggle about it. I like I... that more than the somber stuff. Now, I've done funny funerals. I really have. And yeah, I... I like those. You you have to balance it right and have the funny and then the, the, the sombre goodbye. But you don't actually have to do that. I'm just completely going to con- contradict myself and say, if you want the cat down theme, when, some, when the celebrant or vicar or whatever is closing those curtains, <laughs> you can do it. I say it every time on this podcast. Your funeral is your curtain. funeral. That's sort of that's the whole point of it, like a celebration of a life lived and a reflection of who that person was, not yeah. a um, an identikit funeral. Yeah, yeah. And I've had I've, I've had someone turn up late to their own funeral. That was a favourite. Absolutely amazing. That was favourite. I, I did oh, like that. That must have got a laugh. Like, you can't oh, get a laugh out of that. It did. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've had people with no flowers because they didn't like flowers. And I've had people yeah. with all the flowers in the world. It is up to you. You can have your funeral your way. And I genuinely think people need to tell people. I want bodies by Drowning Pool to be played at my funeral. Yeah. I want Elvis at my funeral. And by encouraging people to think about their own funeral, it actually makes it easier for the family if they know that they're getting it right. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think... I think all people kind of want to see their own funeral, don't they? I think all people want to have that level of control where they're like, oh, this is how I want it to go. This is how I want the final bit of my life to be. And you kind of want to see who turns up, don't you? You kind of like, like who's going to be there? Like, <laughs> you do. Like that ego in us, we all want to say, who's actually going to turn up at my funeral? <laughs> you know you do. <laughs> So, Rob, I just want to say thank you for coming on to Life's Milestones. Where can people find you on the Internet? I'm tucked away at the moment. I'm working for a company called Superstar Speakers. If anyone wants to find us on Facebook or um, the website, please, please, please come along. We um, we do specialise in live events, but at the moment we are working really, really hard in the memorabilia sector. So, like... If football and sport is your thing and memorabilia is your thing, then come and see Superstar Speakers. It's superstarspeakers.co.uk and just come and say hello. Mate, it's been a pleasure. I always like having a sit and a chat with you. And even though it was a, like quite a serious one, it's yeah. it never is quite that serious with you. So thank you. That That's my legacy. Like that, That'll be what's on my tombstone. Even though it's serious, it's never quite that serious with you. So that'll be, that's my epitaph right there. You can have that line, mate. I'll give I'll that. I give that to you. Yeah, and you can have the one. <laughs> Are you scared of death? No, I'm just not ready for it. <laughs> yeah. You can have <laughs> 
I'd just like to say one more time, thank you so much to Rob for coming and having a chat with me on Life's Milestones. This lockdown has been... It's been an isolating time for everybody and this podcast has really given me the opportunity in a lot of ways to catch up with some people that I am very fond of and it just felt like sitting with Rob. We weren't doing Life's Milestones, we were just having a chat and catching up and just being Mark and Rob and I had such a good time interviewing I hope you enjoyed the interview too. Do check out the superstar speakers stuff that they're doing at the moment with memorabilia because there's lots of cool stuff going on there if you are a sports fan i've done so well keeping up to date with the playlist and at this time it's all up to date apart from rob's choices so i'll be adding those in the next few days and i'll put it up on twitter when i do that i'm very pleased with myself i uh didn't think i'd keep up to date with that but i have so go me for being good and that's it I just want to say thank you for joining me for Life's Milestones, and I'll see you in a fortnight. Life's Milestones is a podcast on the We Made This Podcast Network. The show's host is me, Mark Adams. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at MarkAdamsHC. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search for Mark Adams Humanist Celebrant. My website is humanist.org.uk forward slash Mark Adams. Regular listeners to the podcast can claim a 10% discount on my fees for a naming ceremony or wedding. Just make sure you quote milestones when you get in touch. The theme tune for Life's Milestones is performed by Zach Reagan and the logo was created by Carl Bryan. Follow the show on Twitter at Life's Milestones. Thank you for listening. We made this. Cerebral jukebox. Yeah, because we we were talking about this, we've talked about the the different covers there are. Now you yourself, I I thought I'd found a nice little sort of hidden gem here because you yourself were in a band called Bleeder or still are in a band called Bleeder. Yeah. And when I was looking on Spotify just for different covers of of the song, uh, I noticed there is a, a song a cover of this by a band called Bleeder. And I was like, oh, brilliant. This this is what Niall's not told me, is that he's, he's actually done a cover of it that got released. Shipwrecked and Comatose, a Red Dwarf podcast. Maybe I'm not coming at it from a an educated point of view because, you know, not only am I a man, I'm gay. You know, I, I don't deal with pregnancy. Are you? And, um... and, 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 <laughs> have you ever told us that before? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make a serious point. Hey, we love you, you know that. Yeah, but yeah, you've got a good point, Colin. This is a bit of a sausage fest episode. Maybe we should have got a lady involved. Real Asian podcast. You know, so I, I really do feel that there's there's this, um, and whether it's an invisible weight on our shoulders to be able to be yeah. like this ideal child or like you know uh, just being able to not drag the family name down for whatever reason even right. if it's self-imposed even if it's just completely made up in your mind 
Right. Like, like you know, Brian, you were just saying about your friend who who said they felt like they didn't, they couldn't come out to you. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.